What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch. I'm your host, and I'm really excited to bring you today's episode. Today's guest is Crystal Ray. And Crystal Ray is a holistic health, nutrition, and anxiety coach. She helps especially women, she does work with men too, but especially women get over the anxiety that causes them to limit their potential, to to reduce their opportunity to be successful in their everyday life. She knows how to do this, not only because she went to school and learned and you know, was taught by other people, but also because she lives with an S, not a D on the end, currently lives a life filled with anxiety. But that being said, living a life filled with anxiety is irrelevant as far as she'll explain it to you. It's more about how you respond to that anxiety. We've talked before about creating that gap between moment and reaction. And this entire episode, Crystal basically alludes to and speaks directly about the opportunity to separate events that occur and the way that they make you feel. To think about your thoughts as opposed to thinking about your emotions and being your emotions. We also talk a lot about how fitness and nutrition have a very profound, real very, very, very real people affect on the amount of anxiety that you can expect to experience. If you're eating fatty, bad fatty, not avocado fatty, if you're eating fatty, high sugar, chemical-filled foods, those foods are going to have a real physiological effect on the way that your organs, your muscles, your entire body, your brain function, which is going to have an impact on the ability that you have to reduce the anxiety that you feel even when you know it's irrational. And I'm not suggesting that anxiety is irrational. We talk about that on the episode a little bit because for those of us out there who don't suffer from anxiety on a regular basis, it's very difficult to understand how somebody else could possibly be going through something that seems so unreal, but it's very, very real. And they know it's not beneficial for them, but they still can't do anything about it until they learn what they can do about it. You do have the power. You do have the authority, whether it's a abusive relationship that you're in that you you know is abusive, but it's not intentionally abusive. So you, you feel bad about breaking it off and, or it's, you know, you, your relationship with yourself, you're afraid to take tests you, know, you don't want to go to crowded places, whatever it might be. This episode to me is, is really valuable for anybody, man, woman, not really child, but man or woman to listen to because I think that your opportunity to change the way that you feel on a day-to-day basis, to become more positive, to become happier, to be more fulfilled is right in front of your face. And I would love to see more of you guys be able to act on it and enjoy those opportunities. So before I get you guys to this interview with Crystal Ray, I want to make a few little announcements here. Number one, as always, please send somebody to this podcast. Share these episodes with people who you know would find these episodes valuable. You're going to help other people, not just us, but you're going to help other people to get where they want to go. That's the whole point of this show. We're trying to help people realize that the power is theirs to go where they want to go. And if you share these episodes with somebody, they're going to learn that. Maybe not right away, but over time. So share them when they're valuable. Number two, rate and review the podcast. That's how we get out there without your shares. So please go to the go to the iTunes page, rate and review the podcast. You know we love five stars. And lastly, some stuff that we have going on in Active Life. Uh, we would love to see all of you coaches out there at a workshop this year. We've announced three workshops already. By the time this comes out, we might have announced the fourth, but right now we have a workshop at CrossFit 516 in Mineola, New York, June 9th and June 10th. We have a workshop in at Red Wolf CrossFit in Huntington Beach, California, September 29th and 30th. And we have a workshop at Behemoth CrossFit in Cypress, Texas on November 17th and 18th. And those workshops are for coaches to learn how to assess movement, 
modify movement and intervene in movement that is not beneficial to an athlete in the gym so that they can write corrective exercise to help them. We also talk about a lot of the same stuff we talk about in this podcast at these workshops, which is the emotional side of coaching. We're going to talk to you about how to gain the trust from your athletes so that you don't just go back with information, but you use that information in a way that's beneficial to the athletes. So hopefully you guys can help us out, get this podcast out to some friends, and hopefully we'll see you at one of our workshops this year. I'm not going to keep you any longer. Let's get you right into Crystal Ray. Crystal Ray, welcome to the Active Life Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's my pleasure. So for the people listening, they're, they're, there's no way that they're going to know this. Um, but, you know, you sent me a really thoughtful email that made me want to have you on the show. Um, and would, do you mind, before we even get into who you are, what you do, or anything like that, would you mind talking to people about what, what was in the email, why you decided to send it? Um, because I think a lot of people out there want a lot of great things for themselves, but don't do the things necessary to get it, and you did. Sure. So in the email, in the email, I've been watching your watching. In the email, I've been listening to your podcast. So I, you know, I let you know I'm loving your podcast. I really like the value that you're putting out to the community, and I really wanted to be a part of what you are bringing to us because you are bringing us so much valuable information. And the thing I like most is that you're real, you know what's going on, like you tell it how it is, but it's all about fitness and it's about exercise. And when you're working, so I work as a health coach and when you're working, you know, you do have to find collaborations with other people in order to help each other in a way. And so I feel like, I felt like what I do is a different twist on what you do but it is definitely something that I think people need to know. And, you know, I just love the people that you bring on. Like Annie Miller was on the other week and she has a lot of great information. And just to be a part of something that's so valuable, you know, I just love the value that you definitely bring. And this is just the type of strategy or not even like a strategy, but it's more so like I'm genuinely interested in your podcast and what you do. I wanted to share that with you. And, you know, I just wanted to see if there's any chance that maybe you, you would want to figure out a way for us to collaborate. And, you know, if there's a way for me to be on my show. And one of the things that I've learned is that, you know, all you have to do is ask somebody a question. And when you ask, you have a 50, 50% chance of them to say yes or no. And if they say no, you're in no different place than where you were when you started. So what's the harm in asking because you have a 50% chance of getting somewhere else? So two things, right? Number one, I love that. <laughs> but I, I want to challenge you on a little bit of it. We'll get into what you are in a second because I was, I was ready to just read basically from your Instagram bio because you wrote it so perfectly. I help women kick anxiety to the curb naturally. I went from fearful to fearless. Now I want to show you how to do the same. I think that's really, really cool. It says everything it needs to say. Um, and we're going to get to how you do that in just a minute. Um, but I do want to challenge you on the 50-50 thing. Because mm-hmm. I get emails of people asking me or Instagram messages of people asking me to be on the podcast all the time. And usually they don't end up on the show. So I think the answer to fit, I think it's less than 50-50. What you said, the way you sent the email was better than what I usually get from people. You know, it was, it was, hi, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is how I would love to try to bring value to you. It wasn't, hey, I want to siphon off of what you're doing. Right. And then I followed up and I asked you, you know, what's your, what's your favorite episode and why do you like the show? Just to see if you really were just sending out a form email and you responded in timely fashion with a really thoughtful email. So I think that you, if you're getting 50-50, other people are not giving 50-50. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, in, you, in these types of emails, like like you said, like you have to bring value. What am I bringing to you, to your audience, and how would I benefit you, right? And you want to send an email where there's never a question. Like after you, re- after you read my email, you're not wondering anything. You know who I am, what I'm going to bring you, and this is how you can find me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what else you needed. You know, I mean, you sent me the other two questions, but it's just direct. 
Yeah, it was it was very direct, and I'll be honest with you and totally transparent. I cut and pasted it into a Word document so that I could use it myself because it was really yeah. really good. Um, good. Do you mind if I read it to the audience? <laughs> no, go for it. Okay. So the reason why I think this is valuable before I do it is you're going to talk to us in a little bit about getting over anxiety, being healthier, being happier with yourself, and and all of those kinds of things. And I imagine that when you were suffering from anxiety which again, we'll get into, you couldn't have sent this email. No, not, not at that place. Right. And, and I imagine that you certainly wouldn't be happy with me reading anything that you sent to me in private in public. Probably not. <laughs> so, so I think that, I think that, um, it just, it's, it's, it's an immediate demonstration of where you've come from that we're going to learn about to where you are right now. And it's valuable for anybody listening to this because I know people listen to this show and want to get onto it or want to get into somebody else's podcast. And while this isn't exactly what you're all about, I think that this email will teach people more than they've learned on most of the other shows that we've done. Cool? Awesome. Yeah, go for it. All right. So it says... <laughs> Hi, I'm Crystal Ray, a certified fitness and health coach, and I've been following the Active Life podcast. As a former basketball and lacrosse player, former pole dance fitness competitor, which we're definitely going to talk about, (laughs) former NPC bikini competitor, and just your typical fitness junkie, I really appreciate the content that you're putting out there and informing us about all things fitness, plus introducing us to some amazing athletes. I specifically work with clients as a holistic anxiety coach, and I would love to pitch myself as a podcast guest that brings a different spin on exercise. The topic I could speak to that I believe would make a real difference to your audience is how consistently exercising reduces anxiety and stress. Do you think that would be a good fit for the Active Life podcast? I would love to give value back to a podcast that I've been getting so much from and offer valuable insight to your listeners to help any of them kick anxiety naturally. Thank you for considering me and hope there's an opportunity to move forward with the episode. I thought that was awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, you're right. It told me everything I need to know about you, who you are, what you do. Um, enough that if I wanted to learn more, I could go look you up, which obviously I did. Yeah. Right? And I attached a media kit. Right. Yes, but I also true. attached a media kit. So that's another aspect to it. Um, full transparency. I didn't click that. Oh, even better then. <laughs> so the email works. The yes, email works yes. all on its own. I didn't. I, you know, I'm, the way my brain works, I don't have time to go through process. <laughs> I should, but I don't. Um, I, I create processes for myself, and, and that didn't fit in it. But I did. I decided to bring you on because I, I think you have a lot of value to bring. So Thank you. now, after the longest introduction in Active Life <laughs> podcast history, um, let's get into it a little bit. You know, so so you're an anxiety. You help women kick anxiety to the curb. Yeah. First question I like to ask people with with something like that in their bio and their in their persona in their persona is. Why women? You know, what, what, if, what if I want to kick anxiety to the curve? You're not going to help me out? So I'm not exclusive to women. I do work with men. But for me, I relate more to women. And women think differently. Our thoughts are different. Our emotions are different. Our desires and behaviors are a little bit different. Um, so, um, you know, like I will work with men. But just for me as a woman, being a woman, I just relate just a little bit more. Okay. Do you, do you find that um, the commonality that you're able to reach through that relation, through being able to say, oh, I know where you've been. I feel that. I felt that. And what I found from that is this. Um, is that one of the more valuable things that you're able to do to gain the trust and influence that you need to help these people? Definitely. So I find that a lot of people are like, because like they enjoy the content that I'm putting out or working with me because I am somebody who actually has anxiety and overcomes it. And I'm not just somebody who's sitting here like as a therapist giving you the tools, like I'm giving you what I use and what I know works as somebody who does it. You know what I mean? So like, because I live it, they are able to connect with me more and I'm definitely able to help or provide insight in a different type of way as somebody who doesn't even know what anxiety is. So one of the things that I find really interesting in the way that you said that is um, you have anxiety. Not that yeah. you had anxiety. You currently have anxiety, which, which I'm not as well versed on it as you are, but which, which leads me to the next point, which is obviously that it's not something that you just get rid of and now all of a sudden you never feel it again. 
Right. You never, I mean, from my personal experience as somebody who's been dealing with it since I've like six years old, I've had it my entire life. Um, It doesn't go away, but you get better at managing it and you get better at kind of controlling it in a sense. And you learn how to live your life without it stopping you. Whereas when you're in a place where it is like when it's controlling you too much or it is overbearing, then it's stopping you. That's when you're having the panic attacks and the fear is really, the fear is like overwhelming and you're not going outside, you're not doing things. And then as you get better, all of that starts to diminish. You become more social. You start to feel like yourself again and then you keep living. But I mean, I, yesterday I tried eating a salad and salads hurt my stomach so bad that it sometimes sends me into a panic attack, which happened back in December. So it's like, even now, I'm not away from it per se. I just know how to stop it. All right. So we're going to take a step back here because I want people who are listening to this to be able to relate to you the same way that your clients do. So would you tell us the the story of Crystal Ray? You know, you were six years old. You had anxiety. How old are you now? 28. Okay. So you were six years old. You had anxiety and you couldn't help yourself. Now you're 28 and you're helping other people. Now, a lot happens between 6 and 28, but, you know, without spending 22 years on it, could you give us some insight? Definitely. So really a lot of this all came about back in 2012 when I was at my lowest, lowest point of my entire life. But I'm somebody who started therapy at the age of eight years old. So I've been doing therapy throughout my entire life. I've been seeing different holistic doctors for a very long time. But in 2012 was when... I was seeing two therapists at the same time, and I really hit a point where I was having panic attacks more than once. I wasn't socializing. I wasn't eating. I weighed about 105 pounds. I was in a really abusive relationship. I didn't remember who I was. I was scared to eat out. Like, fear consumed me all the time. My legs would shake. Like, my hands would shake. I would tremble. I wasn't in a good emotional place. And... It took me a while to have to build myself back up and it started with the emotional and it started with journaling and it started with um, learning to love myself and doing therapy and that type of sense and reading books and really just telling people no when I didn't want to do things and hearing my own voice and feeling who I was again because I couldn't hear my own intuition. I didn't know who I was. And recently I made a YouTube video about this, but A few years later, you know, thinking back about it, I realized that when I was six years old, my dad had said something and I went into a moment of I couldn't catch my breath and I was freaking out and I needed a glass of water and I like couldn't move. And it finally dawned on me that at six years old, I had a panic attack at my dad's house because of something he said that upset me. And so it's crazy to see how all these things throughout my life, I had been having anxiety, but nobody ever labeled it as anxiety or told me that's what it was. (laughs) nobody had never labeled it as anxiety or told me that that's what it was. And it took hitting rock bottom in 2012 for me to start building things up and then putting things back together to kind of realize like, okay, this is how I am. Um, In 2016, I started seeing a different functional medicine doctor where I've learned more about food. And I'm realizing that, well, I have realized that foods trigger anxiety. And so sitting here now, there are times where my heart's racing, but it could have been the food that I was eating and not necessarily my anxiety. So now as a health coach, I'm helping people figure out what is it that's triggering them. So, okay. There's a lot to unpack there. (laughs) A lot in there. Um, So 2012, you hit rock bottom. You're in an abusive relationship. Your self-talk stinks. You're having panic attacks multiple times per day. You've been in therapy already now for, at that point, 13 years. On and off. I I quit. So I was there from 8 to 10 and then I quit. Okay. And then I went back in like 2010, let's say. Got it. So you'd done five years of therapy. Yeah. And it hadn't worked. I was never going for anxiety. What were you going for? For like issues with my father, my emotional issues, the fact that like... My fears, I guess. Yeah, like, but, I mean, but, I, but isn't it the therapist's job to unpack that that comes from anxiety, that all of that stuff was rooted in you having anxiety? But they never told it to me that way, which I think was good because then I, they never labeled me. 
Okay. But it was like when I was eight years old, what was happening is that I would go to school and every morning when I would go to school, I would go to the nurse's office immediately because I didn't want to be there. Or we'd leave and the cat wouldn't come home and I'd be scared that he would never come back again. Because mm-hmm. I was I was scared of losing people. I was scared of abandonment. I had this really big fear around that. So I just, I just got the chills because when I was in, <laughs> what, what grade was I in? Fifth grade. So what was it 10 years old? 11 years old, whatever it was. Um, my grandfather passed away. My had recently passed away. My aunt and uncle and cousins moved to Japan. And a lot of things in my life were less consistent. And for the first time ever, I started experiencing exactly what you just described. I would show up to school, go to the nurse's office. I would... You know, wherever I went, it was like, I don't I don't want to be here. I, I kind of don't know why, but I don't want to be here. And it was, well, you have so many friends. You love going to school. You're so smart. You have so much fun. You like playing sports. No, I want to stay home, you know? Um, so it's interesting. Like, I haven't gotten the chills like that before when somebody <laughs> had the same exact experience. But for me, I still have a difficult time now in my life relating to people who feel that on a regular basis. Because for me, it was a kind of fleeting you know it came I saw some therapy for it um it was something as simple as bringing an item for me to school that reminded mm-hmm. me of where I was um and then I didn't have those fears anymore I, I I still had them but they were less so and over time I desensitized myself to them and and it was good um right. and it's never come back but I know there are people who suffer from this recurringly like you described and it's really hard for people who don't have it to relate, it becomes this, you just got to get control of yourself. Can you speak to what it really is? Because I hear anxiety and my first instinct is this person looks at themselves as a victim in this situation. Even though I know that that's not empathetic, it's not sympathetic, it's not real, it's ignorant. I know it's all those things. And then I try to create some space between that thought and my next action. But that's the initial thought that goes through my mind. Can you help me with it? Definitely. So I believe anxiety is really just fear. And it's fear coming up and it's it's manifesting differently in the body. And I believe that anxiety is just as physical as it is emotional. And that's the thing that people don't necessarily realize. You get frozen, your heart races, your chest tightens up, your body shakes, you can't breathe, you can't think, you can't gulp, you like you can't like swallow. Um Like, so that's how it manifests in the body. Your stomach is all messed up and you might have spasms in your sternum or something like that. Things of that nature. You might wake up in the middle of the night and for no reason with a racing heart. So there's a a real physical aspect to anxiety. There's also the emotional aspect of it. And those are the fears. And so I understand what you're saying that you feel a lot of times it's people victimizing themselves. I believe that you're just being triggered. And a lot of us who have anxiety, we're highly sensitive people. So I feel things in the world in a way that other people don't. Like my boyfriend's like, oh yeah, you know, I wanna go jump out of a plane. Or like I have friends who love that rush and they love the rush of a roller coaster. And I'm sitting here like, yeah, I could feel that if you take me to the movie theater and I'm watching this scene. Like I don't need to be on a plane to feel that level of intensity. And To me, anxiety has a perspective and it has a viewpoint. So we are people who are more emotional and we have these fears and it's manifesting physically within us. But now you have to figure out what the fear is and what is it about? Is it about losing somebody? Okay, then you have to realize that those people can maybe somehow be with you or like you're never really losing them, but you always have love inside of you, right? Like you, you, it's really about coming down to like that self-love, self-worth as well, as well as figuring out what is my fear? What am I fearful of? So so I want to make sure I clear this up for the people who are never going to listen to my show again because of what I just said. I that, That's the first thought that goes through my mind. I know that people are suffering from something real that I have to be empathetic to. Um, but so you, and I appreciate the way that you described it, by the way, because I've heard it described that exact way and I'm just like, man, I, I can't relate to that anymore. Like that was me in fifth grade when I was a child. Um, but it's real. I get it. How did you go from failed therapy, and I'll call it failed therapy because I don't have a better term for it, therapy that wasn't getting you the desired effect, to 
teaching people to do this? Like when, when did you realize this isn't working? I'm not in the place I want to be. And how did you go from there to forget helping other people to being stable? So I don't think I wouldn't call it failed therapy. Okay. I, the, the people that I worked with taught me tools. The therapy ends. To me, you shouldn't be in therapy for a lifetime. You should go into therapy. You should learn what you need to learn. And then you should move on. And you take the tools with you. And so I learned tools that I needed to do. But I also had a support team around me. Like whenever you get out of a really bad relationship, you need people there to, to help you because you lack the, like when I was in a relationship, I used to get good morning text messages. So I said to my mom and my best friend, I need good morning text messages. And they would send them to me. Right. And so I utilized the people around me to build me up, but it was basically, I just had to get comfortable in my own skin and journaling was the thing that I think saved me. I literally every day, anytime I felt emotional, anytime anything came up, I wrote it down because then it took the emotion out of me and it put it on a piece of paper and it, it left my body. So initially I started with journaling and I started with journaling consistently and doing it all the time. And I would tell people, no, people would say, Hey, Crystal, let's go do something. And you know, there's this fear of you hurting your friends or people not liking you, especially when it comes to like social anxiety. There's the opposite of you're going to piss somebody off and they're never going to relate to you again. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to do this. So for myself, I'm telling you no. And I hope you're going to be my friend after this. And I'm going to take that chance. And I started doing what I wanted to do. And I listened to myself and I figured out this is what I need. And yeah, it might sound selfish, but you can't take care or be there for anybody else until you take care of yourself. And so the longer I remained broken, the longer I was going to be a crappy friend or a crappy daughter or sister or whatever, because I couldn't offer myself to anybody. Mm -hmm. So journaling definitely helped me. And then initially my food was still messed up. So that took a long time, but exercising, exercising in itself is a relief. And one of the things with anxiety is that we're supposed to, well, anxiety and exercise as humans, we're supposed to move. We need to move. If you do not move, you're creating the tension within your body, which could be leading to your anxiety physically. So exercising was my other release. So I wanna get into that. But before I do, what was the catalyst? You know, you're, you're, you, you hit, people say they hit rock bottom all the time and then they hit a new rock bottom and then they hit rock bottom again. And then it's like, oh, that wasn't rock bottom, that was sand. Now I'm digging through the sand to find the rock. So what was the catalyst that you were like, I'm just gonna do it. I just decided, I mean, one night, um, I mean, one night I was with my ex-boyfriend, not like physically with him. I was at home at my parents' house and my best friend, we wanted to go out and we were going to go out with some guy friends that I grew up with. And, you know, in my head, I was scared of my ex-boyfriend being like, no, you can't go out and limiting me and all these things. And he decided that he wanted to show up and go out with us. And I was basically like, no, this is not happening. What do you mean limiting you, not letting you, like not letting you, like you had rules, you're not allowed to do certain things? Like verbally telling me you can't do this. What would be the reason why you couldn't do it? Because he was scared for whatever he was, like knowing that, I don't know, he's probably scared of losing me. I don't know. Like I said, it was an abusive relationship and it didn't make a lot of sense. So we didn't live near each other. I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep interrupting you, but abusive has a lot of different terms. You're talking about physically abusive? Emotionally. 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 Not physically. So like emotionally. Intentional or unintentional, do you think? I think unintentional. Okay. I don't think it was intentional. I think the two of us paired together weren't a good balance for each other. So I think, I don't think I'm innocent in the relationship. I think we both triggered each other per se. But, um, you know, he would go through my Facebook. He would go through my phone. You know, definitely characteristics that you don't want in a partner. Um, And so I wanted to go out and he didn't necessarily want me to go out with, with friends of mine. And he was like, well, I'm going to come. And I was like, well, no, you're not. And I think I turned off my phone that night. I think I did. And I went out and that night I was like, this is it. I'm done. And I totally had my mom and my best friend in my ear being like, Crystal, this is, this is crazy. Like, and they had been kind of telling me this is crazy for a few months. Cause we had dated and then we broke up and then we got back into a relationship again. So we had broken up at a point and, um, I knew it was crazy. And so that night I went out, I had a good time and 
whatever happened that night. And then that was it. Like from that point on, I was like, I'm done. Like, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot be this kind of person who feels this type of way, who's scared all the time, who's not living, who's not doing what I want to do. Like, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm tired. I don't feel good. I don't want this anymore. And I just decided, and it wasn't necessarily easy. Like I had to still have conversations with him. I still had to break up with him. I haven't broken up with him yet. <laughs> but in my head, in my head, I was like, we're broken up. This is it. Like I'm done. And I did what I needed to do. And then we find, and then I eventually had a conversation. I was like, I can't do this. We need to break up. But that was the catalyst of finally I hit my point of him trying to limit me. And I said, I'm not taking this anymore. Good for you. And, and hope, yeah. hopefully you know, there's people out there who will hear that and be like, oh, that sucks for him or, or what a dick. And it's it's not that he's being a dick. It's that he has his insecurities that, that keep him from being able to let you be happy on your own without him. And hopefully an experience like that allows him to realize that's not a healthy way to be. And now he's a better person for it. But who knows? Right. Who um, knows? Right. But so let's get into uh, how you use fitness and diet to help people get over their anxiety. Because to me... It, it seems so obvious that somebody who has poor diet and doesn't exercise um, is going to be somebody who has other issues in their life, but it's not clear to me the path between those things and anxiety. You know, So I would love to learn from you how somebody comes to you, hey, I have anxiety going to these places, doing these things, and you're like, well, what'd you have for breakfast? And they're like, what? So take me there. <laughs> Definitely. So one of the things that is truly real is that caffeine and sugar impact your body and they increase in anxious feeling within your body. And I'm being very general here. So everybody's different. And this is the one thing that happens with food is that it is so personal. And I will never sit here and say to somebody that this is what you need to eat and that all food works for everybody. That is not the case. It is individual and it is personal on every single level. But if you're starting your morning off with cereal or with something high in sugar, what you're doing is you're spiking your your blood sugar level, which is then going to upset your body in a sense and can create an an anxious feeling within you. Because if you have your blood sugar spiking, you're then going to crash, right? Mm -hmm. So unstable blood sugar levels totally is impacting anxiety. So if you're starting your morning off with something very sugary or no protein, you're already starting off on the wrong foot. And coffee is another thing. So like I said, caffeine, like people who are drinking energy drinks or a lot of coffee, that's stimulating you. Coffee is a stimulant. So there's things that food does to the body that can either increase or decrease your anxiety. Chamomile tea, that's going to calm you down. It's going to be soothing. So that's something that I use to help relax. So when it comes to... Sorry, go on, keep going. No, I was going to say, when it comes to food, a lot of the stuff we're eating is chemicals and it's not real whole food. And so you're creating an environment in your body where your body's like, what is this crap? And it's trying to sort through it and it doesn't feel good. And like, if you're not feeling good on a physical level, you're not going to be feeling good on an emotional level. So you have a combo of the two. And if you're feeding your body junk and, and you're already stressed out, you're just heightening it all. And like sugar is my favorite example because I personally know from example, when I stop eating sugar, I hop off of the emotional roller coaster. Now, when you talk about sugar, I want to make sure people understand. You're not talking about eating a lollipop. You're talking about fried food. You're talking about biscuits. You're talking about chips. You're talking about all that kind of stuff too, correct? Uh, half and half. Right now, if I'm saying sugar, let's just call it candy and junk. Okay. I mean, gluten is another topic in itself, and I'm passionate about not eating gluten, and that would be your biscuits and your other, you know. Well, your, I, just, I just meant the glycemic effect of a, of a biscuit, for example. Yeah. The glycemic, yes. You, you can do that. You can do either way. The glycemic effect of something does matter as well. But then if you think about it this way, if we look at a brown rice cake, that's kind of high glycemic, but I wouldn't be opposed to you eating a brown rice cake with hummus or nut butter or, some, you know, a high fat that's going to slow mm-hmm. down your metabolic rate, you know, it's going to stabilize it. Right. Okay. Um, and, and now, uh, you said a lot of good stuff in there, but (laughs) one of the things that I've always struggled with myself when I've tried to make self-improvement is I'm in these habits. Some of these habits are beneficial to me in terms of productivity. Some of them are actually counterproductive, 
but they all make my life easier in that moment, right? Any habit that we have, even if it's bad for us, is good in the moment that we execute the habit. You follow what I'm saying with that? Right. So there are people out there who are like, I drink four cups of coffee a day, five cups of coffee a day, six cups of co- whatever it might be, because I'm just tired. I need to drink those cups of coffee. And now you're going to say to them, I want you to replace those cups of coffee with chamomile tea, for example. What oh, about- no, I wouldn't do that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, so- that's doing the opposite. Like they're, they're drinking coffee to like wake up. Now you're going to have chamomile tea, which is going to put them to sleep. Okay. That wouldn't be, <laughs> so, so, that wouldn't so, be the equivalent. So, so bad example on my half. On my behalf, but what 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 is the? How much do you have to account for the stress of change when asking somebody to make a change to reduce their stress? It's <laughs> a really good question. I mean, you definitely have to take into you definitely have to account for it. But that's why I only focus on making one or two changes every two weeks, well, three at most. But it's not about taking things out; it's about adding things in. So I'm not going to tell you necessarily to stop your four cups of coffee. I mean, I might, but I'm going to say, I want you to drink two liters of water. If I'm having you drink two liters of water, how are you fitting in your four cups of coffee? Right. Do you know what I mean? Because now you're going to be full on the water. So it's not necessarily about stressing you out by taking something out. It's more so like, I want you to try to add this in. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Right. I want you to run really fast. Well, then how am I going to go to the bathroom? I don't know. You have to run really fast. <laughs> I get it. I like it. It, it's, it. it relieves the stress of having to make the decision because you make the decision for yourself, ideally. Right. And anytime you tell yourself you can't have something, and this is what I've learned the hard way, you crave it and you want it. And so if I sit here and I tell you, you can never eat this food again, you're only going to think about that food. So I'm not going to tell you you can't eat it again unless if you say to me, Crystal, I have a legit problem with dairy. I'm going to say, okay, well, then we're not going to have dairy again. <laughs> but I, love, I have a problem with dairy, but not ice cream. I love ice cream. <laughs> right. Sure. <laughs> I don't believe you at all. But um, I'm, so I'm never going to tell you to not have it, but I'm going to ask you to have other things instead. Mm-hmm. And then if you have a craving, you know, like I still crave chocolate. So I eat healthy chocolate when mm-hmm. I want to, you know, but you become aware of the things that you're craving. This is a different topic, but the craving isn't necessarily the food. It's something emotional sometimes. You kind of have to surface through the craving and et cetera. That's something else though. <laughs> yeah, well, well, so how much of this becomes a self-awareness game? All of it. All of it. All of it. You need to become self-aware of the food that you're eating and how you're feeling after you're eating that food because food makes you feel physical. You need to become aware of your thoughts, how you are responding to others. What are you telling yourself and thinking? How are you breathing? How are you, like you said, so that episode with Noah, you said to people, you need to be mindful of when you're walking of the surface underneath you, you need to be able to feel the surface underneath you as you walk, right? That's a mindfulness thing. How often are people being mindful of the surface that they're walking on? Can you feel that it's grass versus concrete versus, you know, can you tell the difference? Um, and then you need to be aware of how your body's feeling, like you were saying, when it comes to physical exercise, how, what kind of exercise is your body craving today? Because like that example that you gave that day, if you're very stressed out, you may not be able to handle a high intensity exercise that day, you know, because whatever may be happening. So you need to be really aware of your body in all instances, from an emotional level to a physical level and what you're feeding it. It's 100% self-awareness. So do you gain that? um, I mean, you obviously saw therapists. You got the tools from them. Do you gain that on your own? Or is that something that people need to be teaching you, do you think? I think, I mean, you can gain it on your own. But if you don't know how to gain it, then somebody can teach you how to recognize it. Like if, if people aren't capable of understanding that they are not their thoughts and their thoughts are something separate of them, and then it just becomes them getting used to being aware of the thought. Does that make sense? It does make sense, yes. It's, it, it's thinking about what you're thinking about as opposed to thinking about why you feel the way you feel. Right. It's, it's observing the thought rather than being the thought. Yeah. No, I like it. I, so, I, go ahead. No, so like, I mean, that can be taught, but it might be that you need somebody to point it out to you. You might just need somebody to say, oh, have you thought of this? And then they contemplate it. Mm-hmm. Whereas they, you know, so it's, I think it's a both of like, you can figure out self-awareness on your own, but you also might need somebody to teach you what self-awareness is. 
Yes. I'm with that 100%. <laughs> so when it comes to fitness as a, as a modality to relieve anxiety, because this is where you like, this is, you make hay in nutrition and fitness as far as yourself. And, and that's essentially going to be the methodology you're going to help other people with. So the person who would want to come to you is not the person who is not at all interested in changing their exercise or eating habits. It's the person who is like, I want to be an active person. I want to eat better. I just don't know how to do it. And I don't know why it's important enough that I do it anyway. So I don't have the intrinsic motivation to act on it. So when it comes to exercise, you know, most of us think of a I'm not going to speak for most of us. I think of the anxiety you're describing as something where you don't want to be on stage, for example. You don't want to be in front of people because it, it makes you show yourself. But that might not necessarily be the truth. It could just be, I don't, I don't like having to write papers. I get anxiety over writing papers. So I don't want to stereotype everybody who's in it. But I don't see pole dancing as something that most people who have anxiety are going to be like, you know what? I'm going to jump on that pole. That's what I want to do. So how, how does... How did you get there? I got there because it was fun and I wanted to do something different. It was something I always wanted to try when I was in high in college. And you know what? It is the hardest workout that I have ever done. And you get bruised. Like it is not a pain-free exercise. <laughs> I would come home with welts because it hurts. You have to stick to a pole and your hands slide because you're not used to it and they get sweaty. And it's, it's hard. The positions are hard. Like it is not an easy thing. And, um, I mean, but think about it this way. Exercise is releasing endorphins. Endorphins is helping the stress in the brain and, and helping you calm down. So the form of exercise isn't really so important. It's the fact that you're exercising and you're increasing your heart rate and you're working on your muscle strength and also you're building confidence, like <laughs> doing pole fitness, total confidence booster. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> so, so how did, you know, you, you, you touched on it briefly, endorphin release, and that's going to help with anxiety because it basically massages the brain. But can you go into some depth here? You know, there, there are people listening to this who are like, okay, so I have anxiety over my relationship with my boyfriend. I think he's controlling and um, he doesn't even mean to be. He loves me, but he he's insecure with himself, so he controls me, but I love him. So I'm going to, you know, like, fine. How is me not eating the fried chicken and instead going to the gym going to have a positive impact on my relationship with myself and thereby potentially my boyfriend or my no longer there boyfriend? I'm speaking, by the way, as a woman, because I don't have a boyfriend, but that's what I meant. Okay. Um, by you, okay, so the foods you are eating are directly replenishing your body in the sense of that the food that you intake is what is turning into your blood, which is then refueling your organs, right? So if you're eating the fried chicken and the crap, you're not putting something into your body that makes you feel good on a physical level, which is going to impact your emotional level. Okay. When it comes to the fitness aspect of it, then just by going and working out and it doesn't have to be long. Like it could be a 10 minute walk. It could be a hit session at home. Like you don't have to go and work out for 45 minutes, but you've got to get your heart rate up and you have to do something that's going to make you feel active. You can't be like, you can't just sit down at a desk all day. And by you getting up and being active, that is physically changing your body. It's making you stronger. It's reducing your fatigue. It's improving your alertness and concentration. It's helping you from a cognitive function in your brain, and it's giving you the endorphins. So from a physical aspect, the exercise is changing your body, right? The food is changing your body because if you're feeding your body junk, you're feeling junk because you are what you eat. So if you are changing yourself from a food perspective and you're changing yourself from a, a fitness perspective, you're having best of both worlds. And on top of it, you might lose some weight. You might gain some muscle. You know what I mean? And from a self-confidence standpoint, you might change. And from just an overall feeling, you feel different. Like, but this is the kicker. A lot of people think, oh, I went to the gym or I worked out once or twice this week. I could do whatever I want. That's not enough. Like you need to do something three to five days a week, whether it be walking or running, hiking, going to the gym, whatever you need to do, it needs to be three to five days a week, if not six, like whatever it is. But like I said, you don't have to work out for 45 minutes every day. 
do a 10 minute workout, do a yoga workout, do Pilates, like do something that feels good for your body. So getting back to self-love and self-help and that type of stuff for you to be in a relationship with somebody, you need to have a good relationship with your body. And if you're feeding it the foods that it needs and you're exercising, you're creating that good relationship for your body, which is then going to translate into your life. So you said some really, some things that hit home for me, because for me, number one, I think a lot of people who are listening to this right now immediately jump to you're crazy. I don't exercise at all right now. Although with my audience, that's probably not the case, but my mom doesn't exercise at all right now. She's not going to go to six days a week. Um, and I think that the important point that you make there that people need to make sure that they listen to and hear, not just that they, you know, heard it go through their head, but they have to hear it and own it is what you're really talking about in a large way, in my opinion, is habit formation. You know, you need to, if it's five minutes, six days a week, it's the five minutes that are yours. And then those five minutes become really, really easy. And now you can do 10. And now three of those days are 30 minutes and the other three days are 10 minutes. And, and it's, it's not about changing everything that you're doing and jumping into an hour of exercise six days a week and being a different person who can't fit that in their schedule. I should say won't fit that in their schedule. Um, and the reason why they had home for me is when I really started to focus on myself intellectually, emotionally, and business from a business perspective, I lost a lot of sight of my physical fitness. And while I still haven't um, packed on the weight or outwardly appear as though I've softened up in a big way, I know I'm not anywhere near as fit as I was. And so what I started doing is going to 10 minutes a day. No matter what, 10 minutes a day, I'm going to do something that is fitness related when nobody else is there. Burpees, push-ups, sit-ups, air squats, lunges, whatever. I'm going to do something because it reminds me that fitness is important to me. And eventually now I'm back to, you know, three days a week of 40 minutes and we'll get more and more and more. So I think that that's a really good point that you made for people there. Um, Most people who come to you, do, do they expect you to give them nutrition and exercise advice or do they find you because they have anxiety and they heard you're the one? A lot of people find me because they have anxiety, but then a lot of people come to me because they want to lose weight. So I kind of get a mixture of of both. I mean, as I said, right now, I'm kind of going through a Mm rebrand where I'm focusing more on people with anxiety, but most people come to me with, I have anxiety and a lot of people are interested in the food. Mm -hmm. How can I eat? You know, the food is definitely the, the questions I get more so about. And for whatever reason, you know, I feel like a lot of people want to meditate more or like do more yoga, but there's a lot of resistance against that, mm-hmm. but they want it. Like they crave like the meditation and the breathing exercises is what people really, really want. But then to do that consistently, I feel a lot of people also resist it. And one of the things that I've come to learn is that the things that we resist are the things that we need to do. You're probably right. Cause I'm thinking right now, I would, I would tell myself, you need to relax. <laughs> And I'm like, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. <laughs> um, okay, I can get behind that. So people come to you for weight loss. Do, do, you, do you unpack why weight loss is important to them before you start helping them lose weight? You know, I normally don't focus on the weight. What does that mean? I, you know, so the, the clients that I've worked with in the past, they've come to me saying that they've wanted to lose weight. And I said, well, let's figure out how to eat healthier. Mm -hmm. So I focus on the habits. Like we talked about before, I focus on what are you doing? How are you feeling? I care about how you feel because when it comes to a weight number, I don't care about a number. If you feel good at a certain weight, then I'm happy for you. Does that make sense? Because sometimes, yeah. yeah. And as you know, like a lot of times the weight on the scale doesn't equate to what you look like, especially for somebody trying to put on muscle, like, you're not going to have a low weight for trying to gain muscle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the reason I asked you that question is I had, a, I had a patient one time who left a really profound impact on me. And she came into the office and she says, I need you to help me. I've been to orthopedists and physical therapists and nobody is helping me. I told them that when I run, my back hurts. And they just keep telling me to stop running. And I, I, I want to run. So I said, okay, um, so you want me to help you get out of back pain so you can run, right? And she said, yeah. I said, cool, then I'm gonna tell you the same thing every physical therapist and orthopedist told you, which is stop running, because it hurts your back. 
And she said, but no, 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 I came, you don't understand. I came to you because I want to run. So then we, I knew that that's not how I was going to end the appointment. But so what we got into the conversation of was, why do you want to run? Well, I want to run because I want to lose 20 pounds. Why 20? Why not 21? Why not 19? You know, and she was like, uh, well, I, I don't know. I just know I don't like the way that my body looks right now. I said, okay, I can get behind that. You know, I'm happy to help you make that change. Why aren't you happy with the way your body looks right now? What's bad about it? I'm sure somebody thinks it's beautiful. You know, what's, what's wrong with it? And she said, okay, well, and she starts crying. And she's like, my daughter is, you know, going to be old enough this year that when the summertime comes around, when we go to the beach, me wearing a t-shirt and telling her that mommy is cold isn't going to fly anymore. And I want my daughter to look up to me, not to pity me. So, I, you know, so for me, the conversation took us to a place of, well, then we can do anything we want to do because that's a pretty strong driver. And we never talked about the weight again. We just talked about making her daughter proud all the time and got her back to running so that she could run without back pain as opposed to just not having back pain because running she chose because she could afford the shoes and she could make the time whenever she wanted. She didn't need permission to go to a gym or learn how to use equipment. She's like, I can just get on the road and go. So that, 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 I guess that's why I was asking you how you attack it as opposed to just, cool, 20 pounds, let's lose it. Yeah, no, I'm about the feelings. I want to know how you feel and why you feel that way. And I want to know what's your motivation? Like you figured out with her, you know what I mean? Like what's mm -hmm. really driving behind this? And so you're, you're not a therapist in a sense of you're not a licensed psychologist, correct? No, I have my BA in psychology, but I never went further. So I find it really interesting in, in the world today that doctors are being replaced, in my opinion, slowly but surely by coaches. You know, the, the people who are making the contact hours with the, with the athlete. Um, we are replacing musculoskeletal healthcare with online services. And people like you who are coaches, essentially, are replacing the need for clinical psychologists for the right kind of population, right? So how do, how do you demonstrate credibility to somebody that they can come see you, you're going to be able to handle this in the appropriate way, even though you don't have the formal education that a psychologist might? I mean, my credibility is my lifetime experience. I've done this. I live this. I know what this is. I know what this means. And But I'm also totally transparent. If it's something that's beyond my scope, it's beyond my scope. Mm -hmm. And there are other people that do need to help you. And, you know, like there are certain people who do need medicine for anxiety. Or if somebody is a little bit more on the depressive side, you're, you might not be a good fit for me because I might not be able to really get you the help that you need. But from where I come from, majority of the people that I'm working with want to have to make the change. So you have to be in that place where you're ready and that you're open enough to making this change. And so, you know, as a certified health coach and as a fitness coach, yes, I have the certifications and I'm trained and I do have the holistic approach. So I, I come with that. But for me, it's really just expressing my story and showing them that I get you. I know I can talk your language because somebody else may not be able to talk that language, but I know it. Like, I truly know it, if that makes sense. Sure, you've lived it. Yeah, I still yeah. live it. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I, I still live it, but to different degrees. And like I said, like I, just because I still live it doesn't mean I can't coach you through it. Mm -hmm. I still live it because this is what anxiety is, and you live with it in a sense. But it's oh. just about learning how to, uh, like I, I've said before, not letting it overtake you, overpower you, not giving it the control and not resisting it. I think you're 100% correct. I think that anybody who is still living whatever it is for them can still help somebody else live it less. You know, I mean, uh, go ahead. You're going to say something. No, as I was gonna say, it, it's like this. Like, if I'm going to go train for an NPC, right, if I'm going to do a bikini competition, you better believe I want a trainer who looks or has done a bikini competition or works with competitors and gets them to that place and is somebody who actually works out. Like, I'm not going to go to somebody who's, overweight and smoking and doing all these things to train me for NPC. They don't understand where I am. Mm -hmm. What is, so, so on that topic, what if they have been there? What if it's like the NPC legend, this woman won everything and now she's let herself go. She smokes cigarettes and she wants to coach you. 
I wouldn't want to work with her. Okay. Because I wouldn't, I want to work with somebody who embodies where I want to be. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, you got to still be at least working out a little bit. You can't give me a program <laughs> and, and make me accountable if you're not accountable for yourself. Like, come on. No, I'm, I, I was just curious because they've lived yeah. it. They just don't live it anymore. Um, I mean, half of the posts that I make on social media are me talking to myself. You know, it's, it's like, yeah, sure, you can read that and you can take it for whatever you want and you can love it or you can hate it. You can be angry. You can be sad, whatever you want to be. But it's really not for you. You know, it's, it's hopefully it helps you. But it's really, right. I'm really talking to me over here. Right. Um, so how does somebody know if someone's out there sitting on a couch listening to this right now where they're sitting in their car, they're on a beach. Good for them. Um, how do they know if you're somebody they should be reaching out to? They feel overwhelmed. They feel like they're missing something or they're struggling with learning how to eat healthier or work out. But really, they're having anxiety. They're very stressed. And they're just not quite sure how to make the change that they want. They're, they're letting their fears stop them, basically. And now they're ready to start to grow. And what's going to be different about working with you potentially than, than working with the, the you know, therapist in their town? I'm going to take a holistic approach. So I'm going to have us look at what are you eating every day? How often are you exercising? How often, how are you breathing? And it's, it's truly personal because not one, not every one person is the same. And so we have to figure out for you, what foods do you need to feel good? How often do you need to exercise? What type of mindfulness techniques, whether it be journaling, breathing, meditating, doing Qigong, doing yoga, et cetera, um, grounding exercises, whatever the case may be, what actually helps you. And so, and then after we get past that, I mean, the other question is like, what's going on in your career? What's going on in your relationships? Like make it a bigger picture. What's going on at your house? Like, how are you just feeling overall? And so I'm here to help with that from a holistic perspective. Yes. I'm going to focus on the food and the fitness and how you're thinking, but those three things are going to bleed into everything else in your life. I like it. It's cool. You know, I, th- I think I'm, I'm a believer that everybody needs a coach in something. And, and your coach, if, if, if you can't find the money right now, your coach can be podcasts. Your coach can be YouTube videos. Um, it doesn't have to be someone who works with you directly. But I think that somebody who has the means should exploit that opportunity for themselves. Because yeah, I mean, I- the growth that comes from that is huge. Definitely. I work with coaches all the time. Like I'm working with a business coach because I need to get to the next place, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's what you do when you get to a place where you feel a little bit stagnant, you work with somebody to help them get you a little bit further because at the end of the day, like you can't see the issues underneath your own two feet. And if you need to grow, you need to have somebody else come in and point out, Hey, I think we could explore this area. What if we did this and help you notice where you can grow? Yeah, I, I love it. And, and so is there anything that you think, Crystal, I didn't give you the opportunity to talk about that, that people who are listening to this really just need to know that, that I just I don't know what I don't know. It's in my blind spot and I couldn't get you there. No, I mean, I think we really covered everything. You know, okay. it's about the foods you're eating, exercising consistently and the thoughts you're thinking. And those three things are either increasing or decreasing your anxiety and it, I like to try to keep it that simple, even though there's a lot of grays and anxiety is different for everybody and whatever the case might be. But you, at the end of the day, you have the power to make yourself feel good and you have the power to choose how you want to feel. And in my opinion, you have the responsibility to make yourself feel good. Yes. Not, not only for yourself. If you're, if you're like, oh, no, it's like, it's, then forget it. It's not for you. It's for everybody around you who can't stand to be around you when you're, when you're that way. As much as they don't want to tell you that and they love you and they want you to be happy and they want to be happy being with you, if you're not happy, ain't nobody around you happy either. I was, whenever patients come in with multiple kids, I'm like, so you're as happy as your least happy kid right now. Yep. Crystal, how do people find you? They can find me on crystalray.com. They can also connect with me on Facebook or on Instagram. All under Crystal Ray? And YouTube. Yep, and on YouTube as well. And so for people who don't know, it's spelled K-H-R-Y-S-T-L-E-R-E-A. 
That is not how most people would probably type crystal into their Google search. No, it isn't. (laughs) All right. Crystal, I really appreciate you, first of all, reaching out. Second of all, coming on. Third of all, being a valuable interview. I think people who listen to this are going to be able to say whether they want to or not. That's me. I should get some help for that because I don't want to be this way anymore. And I'm hoping that we can help them nudge in that direction. Agreed. And thank you again for this opportunity. I truly appreciate it. And I'm very honored that you did select me from that email. And thank you. Thank you. And thank you for the valuable content that you put out for us. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for listening to the Active Life podcast today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, please make sure you head to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating so that we can grow and reach and help more people. If you're looking for more from me and my team, head to performancecarerx.com. All the help you're looking for is right there. Until next time, guys, I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch, and the process is the goal. 